On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gives me, does anybody know? Eight maids of milking. That's what my boys told me. Eight maids of milking. What a gift. Raw milk. A wonderful gift for the eighth day of Christmas. But on this eighth day of Christmas, we don't sing silly songs like that, although you could. But we don't sing them here in this place because our true love gives us something better than raw milk. Something better. Today is called New Year's Day. Today is called the eighth day of Christmas. Today is called the circumcision and naming of Jesus, of our Lord. And what all those names kind of signify is what we want to consider this morning. For today, our true love, Jesus, the bridegroom of his church, our true love gives us a new beginning. A new beginning. That's what this day is all about. And that's what the eighth day was always supposed to be about. But if we're going to consider new beginnings, it's probably good to remember the first beginning, right? That beginning of beginnings. Now, in the beginning, God could have. God could have, but didn't create everything finished instantly. He could have, but he didn't, right? God could have also, but didn't, create the world over the course of millions and billions of ages upon ages in slow, methodical, faceless, personless, random happenstance. He could have done it that way, but he didn't. God could have done everything all at once, or he could have done everything incredibly slowly, but he didn't. What happened is that God created everything in six days. God created everything in six days, and then on the seventh day, we are told, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and God rested on the seventh day. God could have done it all at once. He could have done it all slowly over time, but he didn't, did he? In the beginning, God established this pattern, seven days. Six days you shall work, and the seventh day you shall rest. Our Lord God established for us a pattern. He could have done it instantly, but he didn't. He gave to his creatures, to Adam and Eve, to those who were his image bearers, those who were to copy him, he gave them this pattern. And so the eighth day ought to have been. The eighth day should have have been, right? The eighth day should have, be, should have been the beginning of something wonderful. It should have been the beginning of Adam and Eve taking dominion. It should have been the beginning of Adam and Eve following in the pattern of their maker. It should have been, it should have been that eighth day on which a new thing began. It should have been the day when Eden's bliss was to go out into the whole world that God have, had made. Coulda. Shoulda, woulda. Sounds like our resolutions, doesn't it? This year could be full of lots of things. This year should be full of lots of things for you. This year ought to be full of wonderful new changes. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. That eighth day should have been something grand and wonderful, but you know what happened, don't you? You know that creation never actually reached that eighth day. On the seventh day, that day of rest, the serpent came to Adam and Eve, and what coulda, shoulda, woulda happened if they had only, well, it all didn't. Could've and should've and would've never happened. And so the eighth day, that wonderful day of new beginnings, that day when Adam and Eve were to follow the pattern of their Lord, of their maker, that day never came. 
Instead, that seventh day ended not with rest, but that seventh day ended with a curse. And yet, even before God spoke the curse, he promised, didn't he? Even, God, even before God gave his verdict on Eve and gave his verdict on Adam, and it was a just verdict. Even before he spoke that verdict, God gave a promise that there would be one who would come to usher in what could have and should have and would have been. God spoke these words to the serpent. You know them well. I will put enmity, he said, between you, Satan, and between the woman, and between your offspring, Satan, and her offspring. He will crush your head. What Adam should have done, what Adam could have done, what Adam ought to have done, our Lord Jesus does. With him, there is no division between coulda, shoulda, woulda, and what actually is. No, our Lord Jesus comes, and on this eighth day of Christmas, we see that our Lord Jesus ushers in the true eighth day, the eighth day as it ought to be, for he is our new Adam. He is our new man. He is our new head who has come to usher in the bliss of Eden. But not just going back to that, but he has come to usher in something better. The bliss of Eden, peace with God and man, now exercised through the whole world. That's what the eighth day ought to have been. And in Christ Jesus, that's what has begun. An eighth day to put an end to all the other days. An eighth day to be a beginning of days, a new kind of life, a new kind of thing, things as they ought to have been, things as they could have been, things as they should have been. That's what we find on this eighth day, this little infant Jesus, this little baby boy in Bethlehem of Judea, bringing for us a new beginning. And on this eighth day, he begins with circumcision. Now, that kind of thing might sound a little bit odd. It is always strange to me. I always love this board right here where it says, the cir- it should say, the circumcision and naming of our Lord. But see, if we put the whole title on, there wouldn't be any room for hymn numbers. And then we wouldn't know what to do, would we? Circumcision, what a strange thing. What an old-fashioned thing, right? For us, circumcision is just kind of one of those boxes you check when the nurse gives you all that paperwork. You know, make sure that you fill out this paperwork. Make sure you fill out that paperwork. Oh, and do you want the baby circumcised? Just mark here. Put your initials there. It's not given much thought, at least for most of us. And yet for Jesus and for Mary and Joseph and for the whole mindset of the scripture, circumcision is no small thing. Circumcision is a beginning But it is a beginning that comes with a real end. You have only to consider, and I won't go into all that much detail, but you have only to consider what that rite actually looked like. The cutting off of the old man so that something new can take its place. See, here's the thing. If we're going to have new beginnings, we have to actually have an end. Because the problem that we face in this world is not just that we're, you know, out of ideas, that we're kind of stuck, and we need some inspiration, we need some kind of an example, we need someone to brainstorm with us about what we should do this year. Our problem is deeper than that. Our problem is that all our beginnings don't actually do away with what ails us. 
So kind of on a low level, you can have a resolution this year, right, that you're going to eat healthier. But the sweet tooth, the problem is the sweet tooth never really goes away. You can have a resolution that you're going to use your time so much more wisely this year. And these are all good things, don't get me wrong. But the problem is sloth and laziness don't go away, do they? All of our new beginnings, for every new seed that we plant, we also sow a seed of a thorn, of a weed. If we're going to have a real new beginning, then we have to have a real end of what ails us. Otherwise, all of our beginnings will be marked. All of our beginnings will be tainted. All of our beginnings will end up in the same place. It's kind of like this, right? Trying to start a new beginning on your own is like, you know, you get to the end of a movie and you didn't like how it ended, so you hit rewind, and then you hit play, and you hope against hope that somehow it's going to be different this time. You know, somehow this time your football team is going to pull it off in the last second. But the problem is, every time you rewind the movie and hit play, what happens? The same dull thing happens all over again. If we are going to have a real new beginning, then we have to have a real end of what ails us. If we are going to have a new beginning, then Christ Jesus must actually deal with what is the problem. And so he must cut off. He must do away with sin and death and the devil. He must end once and for all the reign of those things so that something new can come in its place. That's what circumcision was always meant to signify for the people of Israel. It was given to them by God as a gift, right? It was a gift for Abraham and for his sons. This sign that would bring them into the covenant, this sign that would cut them off from the old world and bring them into a new world, a world where they would be God's people, a world where he would be their God, a world where they would receive his commandments and do them gladly and obediently, a world in which he would answer their prayers, a world in which he would put his name on them, like we heard from the Old Testament in Numbers. I will put my name on my people and I will bless them. That's what circumcision was supposed to be. That's what circumcision ought to have been. The circumcision of the flesh was to be matched by the circumcision of the heart. And so the people who were circumcised were to gladly and willingly do all that their Lord gave them to do, knowing that he didn't give terrible commands, that he didn't give commandments and rules to keep them down, but he gave them the true life, the good life. And yet that gift from God became a strange thing to the people of Israel. That gift of God became a strange thing because instead of receiving it as a gift and living it out, what happened? Well, if you know the rest of Scripture, you know what happened to the people of Israel. They began to boast of this, that somehow they were better than all of the other nations, that somehow they were better than all of the other people. Pride crept in. And so what ought to have been a new beginning, what ought to have cut them off from pride, instead only inflated their pride. And yet Christ Jesus comes to bring about what could have been, what should have been, what ought to have been. For remember with Christ Jesus, there is no division in those things. We experience that division. We experience that conflict, that tension. We know what we ought to do. We know what we should do. And yet we don't do it. 
Christ Jesus has no tension in himself. He has no conflict with his heavenly father. And so he enters in for us. He who gave Abraham those commandments, he who gave Abraham that covenant, he who gave Abraham and his descendants all of those promises now enters into that covenant for his people on behalf of Abraham, on behalf of you and me, our Lord Jesus takes upon himself all of God's commands and he lives them out as they ought to be, as they should be, as they truly are. And just so he brings an end to sin's reign. Just so by the shedding of his blood, our Lord points ahead. This day of his circumcision at the beginning of his life points ahead to the greater day when he will be cut off, when he himself will be hung upon the cross, when he will take upon himself the sins of the whole world and there on the cross do away with them, put an end to them, bury them in the grave so that he may rise again as a true new beginning. Today, the eighth day, the day when we remember how our Lord Jesus was circumcised, we are remembering, we are remembering and rejoicing in this, that our Father in heaven has sent his Son into the world to actually bring an end to the things that afflict us, to the things that we do ourselves, we are so often our own worst enemies, and also to the things that assail us from the outside. Christ Jesus has come to bring a real end so that there can be a real new beginning. New Year's Day is always one of my favorite days because, you know, the whole year stretches out in front of you and all of the possibilities are out there, right? All of the things that could be, all of the things that should be, all of the things that ought to be are possible today. But it's also kind of a strange day that way, isn't it? Because as much as I know what could be, what ought to be, what should be, I also know what's happened in the last 35 years of my life. I also know what is going to happen in this coming year. I know that all the things that I think could be, all the things that I think should be, will not be. And so it is a day of mixed emotions for me. But on this day, on this day, put in your heart and in your mind something better than your own resolutions. Put in your heart and your mind what your heavenly father resolved to do and what he in his son didn't just say, here's what might happen. Maybe one day I'll send my son to save the world. Maybe one day, possibly, just maybe, if everything works out just right, it will all happen. No, celebrate this day at the beginning of another year what our Lord has in fact done, how he has honored us thus, that he deigns to dwell with us. Oh, rejoice, ye Christians, loudly, for our joys are now begun. A new beginning has come in Jesus, and it is in his name that we make our beginning. I don't know if you've ever had this debate about who the most famous Lutheran is. It's probably not the kind of debate that you start up on the streets, you know, hey, who do you think is the most famous Lutheran? But the answer is, here's the answer, the answer is Johann Sebastian Bach. Even if you've never heard his music, hopefully you've heard his name. He is the most famous of all Lutherans. And Bach knew a thing or two about great works. He knew a thing or two about wonderful works. But he also knew a thing or two about how to begin those works. And so at the top of Johann Sebastian Bach's manuscripts, in the top left corner, you'll see these two little letters, J.J. And those two little letters, J.J., stand for Jesus Juvo, 
which those of you who know your Latin know means Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. That's our prayer at the beginning of this new year. Our Lord Jesus came on the eighth day to be circumcised, to bring an end to sin and bring a new beginning. And he took to himself on this day a name. Think of the wonder of that name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, what a wonderful name, what a sweet name, what a name full of hope, what a name full of life, what a name full of love, because the name Jesus means, Jesus means he will save his people from their sins. Bach knew that, and he knew that all of his works, for as much genius as God had given him, if he took his work in his own power, in his own hand, he would be sowing the seeds of thorns right along every seed of a flower that he planted. And so he began, J.J., Jesus Juva. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Isn't this why Jesus took that name to himself, so that you could know it, so that you could use it in precisely this way? Jesus took, takes this sweet name to himself so that each one of you could have a thrill in your heart when you hear the name Jesus, so that you could have the joy and the pleasure of saying those syllables, Jesus. And not just in saying it, because you know how syllables go. If you say a word often enough, it starts to sound really strange. Jesus, 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 Jesus. But the joy of that name comes in the reality of that name. For with Jesus, the name doesn't simply sound pleasant. It doesn't just sound sweet, and it's not just a family name that's been passed down and passed on and given and forgotten. No, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus is this promise that he will help. The name of Jesus has this wonderful blessing that when you use it, when you trust it, when you call out to him in faith, he will answer. How could he not? That's what his name means. He will save his people. So as we come to the beginning of this new year, as we come to the eighth day of Christmas, as we consider what needs to come to an end, and there are plenty of things, there are plenty of things that must end in our lives. Remember what also must begin. Take your start this year in the name of Jesus. For as good as it is to start a new diet today, as good as it is to start a new reading plan today, as good as it is to resolve this or to resolve that, our true joy, our true beginnings must begin with the help of Jesus. So when you're thinking of these things, think this way today. What should begin in the name of Jesus? What will come this year in the name of Jesus? How can I speak this year in a way that Jesus would help me? How can I live this year in a way that Jesus would help me? What can I do this year? What could be, what should be, what ought to be in the name of Jesus? For all of your beginnings that are undertaken in that name, well, they might not come out like box works, but Jesus gives this promise that not only will he inspire wonderful things in us, but he will give aid to those things. He came into the world precisely for this, not just to be an example to you, but so that he might give his spirit to you. That spirit of Jesus lives in you. That spirit of Jesus continues to be breathed upon you wherever the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. For this is the real beginning that Christ Jesus offers us at the beginning of this year the forgiveness of our sins. 
Your sins do not define you. Your sins do not have the last say on who you are and what you are and what will always be in your life. Jesus defines you. His name rules over you. And his name means this, that he will save you from your sins. He will put an end to sin and he will give you a beginning, a beginning, an eighth day that never ends. To him be all glory now and forever. Amen.